Matthew chapter 6. I'm calling this message, What We Forget About Prayer, um, because there are some things that we need to remember today that will have valuable impact on our prayer lives. And so many of us have the Lord's Prayer memorized in various translations. Mine is in the old King James because of my Catholic experience at a young age. But today we'll be reading it from the English Standard Version. And the words are on the screen. And I want us to do something different today. Even though we're only going to get into the first four words, I want us to recite the Lord's Prayer together in its entirety every Sunday that we're in this series. So would you do me a favor and everyone just stand with me as we read out loud the word of God together. Jesus said, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, Lord, you are with us. You are presiding over us and over all that is said and done today. And God, we thank you that you've brought us here. We thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you that you have given us this prayer as a template and as a beautiful opportunity to commune with you in the things that you desire us to pray for. God, thank you that your word is true. Thank you that it is accurate. Thank you that today through it, you speak to us. And so God, I pray that you would remind us from your word today, how beautiful prayer is, what an opportunity it is. But Lord, I pray also that you would remind us not to neglect the gift that it is. Lord, that you would remind us who it is that we enter into communion with when we, when we pray to you, Lord. God, I pray more than anything that we wouldn't just learn about prayer, that we, but that we would actually experience the presence of our Father in heaven. And so God, would you lead us today? Lord, would you anoint all that is said and done? God, would you teach us from your word and prevent anything that I might add or change or twist or confuse or muddy up, Lord? Would you let that fall to the floor and would you speak to your people today? Pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, while I wouldn't call myself a guitar player, I do know how to play guitar. And it's something that I don't even remember how I learned. It was just something that was always kind of a guitar there, and I just pick it up and learn some chords here, there. But when I was a young adult, I even fancied myself somewhat of a singer-songwriter. And I wrote several terrible songs. Absolutely atrocious songs. I was kind of an angsty young man at the height of the emo craze. So what did you expect? Um, I thought about reciting some of those lyrics, but I will maintain what little respect uh, I still have among you. Um, I did never flat iron my bangs though. So I had that going for me. The Lord protected me 
from the emo flat ironed bangs. Um, there was something about playing guitar, though, as a, a young man that brought peace into my heart. I remember times just sitting in my room, laying on my bed, and, and just playing the guitar, strumming a few chords, whatever, however, whatever level of expertise I had. And it just, it just brought peace. Like, I don't, I don't, I still can't tell you today why it brought me so much peace, but I remember those times every time I pick up my son's guitar. My son is learning to play music and his guitar will be laying around and I'll pick it up and I'll play it. And all of a sudden, that same familiar sense of peace just comes back into my life, into my heart. And I think, why don't I remember to do this more? Why don't I prioritize this? Every single time I pick up the guitar, there's just this, it takes me back to those places, those times of peace. And all of a sudden, an hour has passed, you know, time has passed, and I'm just, I'm just more peaceful. Sometimes I get home and I'm super stressed, and a couple times my wife has said, you should go play your guitar. Because it just brings peace. And I just wonder why don't I do this more often? Maybe you've got something like that in your life. Something that brings you joy or something that brings you peace, but that you forget about. You don't take advantage of it as often as you should. Maybe it's not a hobby. Maybe it's something delicious. Maybe it's a food. Maybe it's like sandwiches. You ever forget how delicious a sandwich is? Like sometimes I'm like, oh, sandwiches are so boring. But the other day I made myself a sandwich. I'm like, why don't I eat sandwiches more often? Sandwiches are delicious, especially when you take the time. It's not just meat and cheese, but like you slice the tomato, you throw a whole avocado. Okay, I shouldn't have skipped breakfast. Um, But something in your life that you enjoy that you just don't prioritize. I think prayer is like that for most Christians. Really do. I think, I think we experience the presence of God in prayer. And, and depending on what we're going on, what's going on in life, we, we come to God in prayer and we encounter his presence and we leave that place knowing that he's heard us, knowing that he is working for us, knowing that we have just been in his presence. Sometimes we leave with more peace than we had when we entered in and yet we walk away and forget to do it the next time. Last night was this for me. I was experiencing just like unrealistic anxiety because I'd gotten bit by a spider and I'm just like freaking out and like trying to get the the, (laughs) other people to affirm that like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Like my wife, I'm going to be okay. Right? Like I'm going to be okay. Our neighbors, our friends, like I'm going to be okay. Right? This doesn't look too bad. Does it? Right? And God's just like, what? Like, why don't you ask me if you're going to be okay? I'm like, why do I always forget that I can come to God in prayer and that I can experience his presence and I know that he's listening? Why do I continually forget? I'm not the only one, right? Right? Okay, thank you. I was feeling very alone for a second there. Not the only one. We experience God's presence in prayer and then we turn around and then we forget that it's available to us again. 
We know the goodness, the peace, the joy that comes from it. So often we just forget. I think there's reasons that we forget to pray. Some of those reasons are deeply personal, born out of our own experience, our own stories. But some of the reasons we forget to pray are because we have the wrong ideas about prayer. We forget what prayer is about. We forget what, what, why we should pray, the importance of prayer. Whether it's misunderstandings or, or false beliefs that interfere with our experience of prayer and prevent us from prioritizing it, Jesus comes to us in God's word today And he offers us not only instruction in prayer, but encouragement for the prayerless heart. Encouragement for the life that finds it so easy to forget the power and the presence of God that is available instantly when we call out to him. Jesus not only teaches us in the Lord's Prayer how to pray, but in these first four words, our Father in heaven, he gives us some incredibly important reminders on why to pray. And so Jesus tells us, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. And so among all of the things we need to keep in mind about prayer, first and foremost, we need to remember who we're talking to. We need to remember to whom it is that we are speaking. Who do we come to when we pray? God is not some impersonal force like the universe. God is is not, you know, this mother nature or whatever else you see people referring to God as or when culture talks about, oh, you just got to pray. And what they're really talking about is just, you got to just speak into the darkness and like the universe will return it to you. Bogus, baloney, okay? The, some impersonal force is not going to receive your prayers and then like, make it happen, like sending good vibes into the universe. It, it's, guys, it's, that's, not, that's not prayer, okay? That's just, that's, you might as well talk to yourself. That's not prayer. God is not some impersonal force. He is our father, okay? And that title depicts a relationship that we have with God through Jesus. See, part of the goodness of the gospel is that when we were enemies of God, what Jesus has done for us by dying on the cross for our sins as the one and only son of God, he invites us into the relationship that he has had with his father since before the foundations of the earth. Part of the goodness of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that what belongs to Jesus belongs to you through faith. And since sonship belongs to Jesus, it belongs to you. Through faith, remember Aaron Cronin's wonderful sermon a few weeks ago about how we are a chosen family, adopted into the family of God. 
We are partakers of the divine nature, the love and the intimacy that exists between Father, Son, and Spirit since eternity past, we now partake of. We are now invited into. Now, this is not so for those who are outside of faith. Jesus, in speaking with the Pharisees who were furious with Jesus and hated Jesus' words and were trying to kill Jesus, they tried to claim God as their father. And Jesus said, if, you, if God was your father, you would love me. If God was your father, you would hear my words. You would do my words. If God was your father, you would be on my side, but you are not children of God. You are of your father, the devil, and you are doing his will. He's been a murderer from the beginning and you're trying to kill me. This idea of the, 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 the universal uh, fatherhood of God is not a biblical concept. Jesus makes it very clear. There are those that are children of God and those there are not. And so if you are here and you're outside of faith, you can still pray and God still hears you. He's omniscient. He knows all things. You can pray. He still hears you, but he's not obligated to answer. He's not obligated himself to answer as he has his children. Okay, my kids' friends, I love my kids' friends. My kids have some amazing friends. Some of your kids are friends with my kids, and you need to know your kids are really cool. I enjoy having them around. But I am not obligated to them in the same way that I am obligated to my children. They can ask me for things. I'm happy to be generous with people, but I don't have to be. But I have a responsibility to my kids. And so God has promised in scripture to answer the prayers of his children prayed in Jesus' name. He has promised to answer. Now, some of you may know that the word father in Aramaic, which was the language that Jesus spoke, was Abba. Okay, we hear that Abba, father. And if you know that the word in Aramaic for father is Abba, then you might also know that it was the word that children used of their fathers. When a child would, would call out to their father, they would say, Abba. And because of that, many people have understood this word Abba to be akin to our English word daddy. Okay, that it communicates this, this intimacy, this dependency of a child calling out to their daddy. But you may not know that the word Abba was also used of adults to refer to their fathers, which is not like our word daddy. Or maybe it shouldn't be like our word, daddy. And so it's a little bit different. I, I, I think it's better to, to say that Abba is more like we don't need the, the, the remaining D-Y. It's just dad. Okay, an adult, a child, we can call our father's dad. And that is a significant title for them. Okay, it not only still communicates the intimacy and the dependency of daddy, but it communicates something different. It communicates an authority more so than the other. And so this, this, this idea of Abba, father, 
It communicates more than fatherhood. You see, the word father is a biological term that communicates like descendancy, right? Whereas dad or Abba is a relational term that communicates intimacy and dependency. We know that there are, you know, there are many fathers in the world, but it takes a certain kind of relationship and effort and presence into someone's life to be a dad, to actually be a father to the person and to have that relationship with the child. And so these are some of the things that are communicated in this idea when we call God our father. It's intimacy, dependency, and authority that he has in our lives. And so we're invited into intimacy with God when we are invited to pray. We're invited into this relationship with God when we're invited to pray. We're invited into an experience of the presence of the one who loves us and is committed to us when we are invited to pray. Now, some of you don't have childlike, intimate, relational, dependent Uh, thoughts and feelings come into your mind when you think about the word father. You don't have pictures of, of, you know, loving times of communion with your dad. Some of your dads were absent. Some of you wish your dads were absent. They were monsters and they brought pain into your life, not love, not healing, not goodness, not kindness, but brought pain and frustration and sorrow into your life. They hurt you. And so you hear that you have this father in heaven and you think, great, someone else to be disappointed in me. Or you hear that God is a father and you go, great, someone else to be unfaithful. Someone else who's going to break their promises to me. Someone else who's going to like be there, but be passive and not actually fight for me, not actually support me, not actually encourage me. Some of your dads didn't say mean things to you, but they didn't say nice things either. Some of you never heard your father say, I love you. And so when God is just another father, like the father that you have on earth, don't need it. Been fine without it. Be better off without it even. But listen, We are not meant to judge God by the standard set by our earthly fathers. There is an analogy at work here when we say God is father. There is supposed to be a connection between our earthly fathers and our heavenly father. But it is not so that we can judge our heavenly father by the standard set by our earthly fathers. Rather, we are to judge our earthly fathers by the standard set by our heavenly father. Where our earthly dads depicted the father heart of God to us, we can rejoice. And where he didn't, we can cling all the more tightly to the one in heaven who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. We have a father in heaven who is not like our father on earth, as good as our father on earth might be. Or as bad as our father on earth might be. And for those of us who are fathers, there's an analogy at work here. 
our children will be tempted to judge God based on their interactions with us. That is a responsibility and a weight that is difficult to bear. And we don't always get it right. My kids know I don't always get it right. I don't always show them the father heart of God in certain situations. It's not okay. Because someday they are going to hear that we can pray to our father in heaven. And they are going to think about that based on their experience with us. Men, don't just be a father, be a dad. Be a dad, be present in their lives, be affectionate in their lives, love them, encourage them, support them. I say this to myself as well. I grew up in a world where the standard was obedience. You don't get praised for obedience. That's what I expect of you. So I find myself not encouraging my kids enough. They're looking to us. No matter how young or how old your sons or your daughters are, they'll continue to look to you and be tempted to judge God based on the way you interact with them. Is that fair? Probably not. But is it real? Yeah, it's for real. This word father, Abba, expresses this unique access to God. This loving, intimate, dependent access to God because of Jesus. John 1, 9 through 13 says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world, speaking of Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Through faith in Jesus, you are a child of God because God wants you to be. Not by the will of man or by, you know, just purely biological matters, but by God, born children of God, because God wants you to be. This is what we're invited into. And so prayer is communing with God as father, which not only expresses intimacy, but also dependency. We are dependent on God for everything. Like a little child dependent on their parent for everything. And dependence can be scary. We don't like being dependent. I like being able to do things for myself. It's one of the reasons I don't pray. <laughs> or I don't pray as I should. I think I should be able to do it myself. I don't need God's help yet. Let me do it on my own. And then when I can't, I'll let you pick up the slack or I'll let you pick up the pieces because I've been crushed by the weight of what I'm trying to do on my own. Dependence on God is not easy. It can be scary. But as our father, God wants to give us good things. God wants to give you good things. Listen to this. 
James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good thing, every perfect thing that you have or could ever receive is a gift from God. And he's not looking for reasons to withhold it from you. He is a giver of good gifts and he doesn't change. There is no shadow due to change. He doesn't relate to you in one way, one day, and then a different way, a different way. He has a host of abundant blessings that he wants to give his people and he doesn't change. That means he doesn't change his mind about wanting to give you good things. God wants to give you good things. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, little just mic drop mid-sentence right there, know how to give good gifts to your children, If you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? If you know how to give good gifts, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Let me tell you about a lie that I often believe, a lie that I tell myself when it comes to prayer. I believe that I have to present my case before God. I don't actually believe this, but functionally, somewhere deep down in my heart, I'm believing this lie that I need to convince God. Like I've got some new business venture that he would be wise to fund. And so I put together like my business plan and I'm like, Lord, I know you want to save the lost. You give me this and I will use it for that. And everyone in Carpinteria will believe. Do you see how that works, God? A, B, C. Sign the dotted line. Pay right here. Submit, you know, direct deposit, whatever it is. Blessing right there. I I feel like I've got to like prove myself. Like he's some bank just looking for reasons to say no. God's not looking for reasons to say no. God's looking for reasons to say yes. He's got storehouses of good things, pleasures forevermore in the right hand of God, the scriptures say. And he's looking for reasons to pour that out on to his people. This doesn't mean he gives us whatever we ask for. Sometimes the thing that we ask for is not good for us. Sometimes the things that we ask for we think are good, God has in mind what he knows to be good. So we forget to pray because we forget that God is our father. We forget to pray because as our father, he loves us. We forget to pray because we forget that he loves us and he desires to give us good things. And so we forget to pray. But he's not only our father who loves us and wants to give good gifts, wants to take care of us. He's also able. He's not just willing. He's able to do for us anything that we could possibly ask or imagine. He is 
our Father in heaven. It's not just our Father. He is our Father in heaven. Now, there's much debate over what this phrase in heaven is qualifying. Why does Jesus teach us to pray our Father in heaven? Why not just our Father? What are we supposed to learn about God being our Father in heaven? Maybe Jesus is making sure that the relational intimacy in the word Abba doesn't overshadow the authority of the word Abba, right? Like, um, yes, he is your father, but don't get too chummy. Don't get too close. Yes, there's this relationship, but not too much. Maybe he's doing that. I don't think that's what he's doing, but maybe he is. Maybe Jesus is drawing a distinction between our earthly fathers and our heavenly fathers, as we just talked about, making sure we don't project onto God our experience of our earthly fathers. Maybe, but I don't, I don't tend to think that. I think there's something else happening here. See, the word father not only communicates intimacy and dependence, that word Abba, Dad not only communicates this intimate relationship that we have and the dependent relationship that we have on him to give us every good gift, but it also communicates authority. Abba is an authoritative relationship as the father of a family in the ancient world was responsible for everybody in the family, to provide for the family, to protect the family, to be present with the family and to be responsible for the family. And so in heaven, I don't believe contradicts or qualifies the relationship we have with God. It's not saying he's our father, but he's in heaven. And so don't get too close or he's our father, but he's in heaven. So don't, you know, think about your earthly dads when you think about him. It's not contradicting or qualifying him as our father, but it is to remind us of the kind of authority that he has. He is our father, authoritative role, but he is our father in heaven, the authority over heaven and earth. He is our father who sits on the throne, who made everything. Our father in heaven doesn't qualify or contradict. It reminds us of the authority that he has, that he has all authority in heaven. And so prayer taps into that authority, the authority of the one who made heaven and earth. Listen, prayer builds a bridge between heaven and earth. It taps into an authority that doesn't exist in this earth, but only exists in heaven and when God chooses to bring it to earth. And prayer is this, builds this conduit, this bridge and allows the power of the one who sits on the throne of heaven, who makes earth his footstool. And it bridges heaven and earth. It taps into the spirit realm and invites the power of God into our lives. Now, sometimes that power changes our circumstances. And sometimes that power gives power to endure our circumstances. 
Sometimes it changes our circumstances. I remember one day when my wife's grandmother was very sick. She had fallen. She had an infection in her ankle. It wasn't responding to antibiotics. And I remember praying with my children one night and saying, Lord, Dee loves you. Grandma Dee is, is, is amazing. She loves you. Faithful woman lived an incredibly wonderful life. Okay, not for the sake of Grandma Dee, although that's good too, but for the sake of my children's prayers who are asking you to heal her, would you heal her? And God changed Dee's circumstances. The four specialists who said they were going to have to amputate the night before walked in the next morning and started blaming one another for even suggesting amputation. She made such a miraculous recovery. God changed her circumstances. Sometimes the power of heaven comes into our lives and changes our circumstances. And sometimes the power of heaven comes in so that we can endure our circumstances. There's not a single person on this planet I don't think I prayed for as much for healing, for God's intervention in their lives than my dad. My dad had been a Christian on the day that he passed away about a year and a half. He was a baby. And I saw God give my dad an endurance in his circumstances that I don't think I have today. That I pray that I can have someday. That two weeks before he died, when I sat by his bed in the hospital after just finding out there was nothing they could do for him, he'd been a Christian for a year and a half, and he looked at me in the eyes and he said, I heard heaven's a nice place to live. I don't think I could say that today. I knew my wife's uncle, Mark, who was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, and he was given three to five years to live, and he lived 15. And for 15 years, he sat in his chair and he told people about Jesus, how good Jesus was, how wonderful Jesus had been to his life. I saw people come to faith in Jesus because of this man who endured his circumstances till his last breath. Sometimes prayer changes our circumstances. Sometimes prayer gives us endurance. Power to endure our circumstances. Either way, it's power that we didn't have before, right? It's power that we wouldn't have if we didn't ask. I don't know about you, I need this power today. Do you need the power from the throne of heaven in your life today? I do. I need this power whether it's to change my difficult circumstances or whether it's to give me endurance to to exist in my circumstances faithfully. I need the power of God in my circumstances today. Then why aren't we always praying? Why aren't we always like 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, praying without ceasing? Why do I ever stop? Whereas Luke 18, 1, 8, so wonderfully puts it, and Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. 
For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says? And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Listen, God is not like the unjust judge, but if an unjust judge will give justice to the one who comes to him continually, then how much more will your father in heaven who loves you, who invites you into intimacy, who desires to give you every good gift. If an unjust judge will give someone what they need, then how much more will your father in heaven give you what you need? And so if all of this is true, and it is, why do we forget to pray? Why do I continue to forget the, the beauty and the power of prayer in my life? How is it even possible? How are we not constantly on our faces inquiring of the one who is not limited by anything or anyone? Why do I have this spiritual amnesia like playing my guitar and experiencing peace and then turning around and forgetting that it's there for me? Why do I pray to God and experience peace and experience his power and then turn around like suddenly it's not available to me anymore? Why do I have this spiritual amnesia? It's not that we don't like the idea of prayer. But we don't like the inconvenience of prayer. I don't want to have to acknowledge that I can't do it on my own. It's a humbling place to be. I don't want to wake up earlier to pray. Why? Just so I can what, like tap into the presence and the power of the one who sits on the throne of heaven? Boring. I don't want to stop scrolling on my phone. I don't want to stop doing this thing. You know, sometimes I don't want to stop feeling melancholy. I'm sad or I'm anxious or I'm stressed or I'm angry. I'm frustrated about something. And sometimes, you know what? I like it. I want to stay there. I feel justified in throwing my little pity parties. I don't want to ask God to change it. I'm just fine the way I am. But prayer is essential for the life of faith. Like eating is essential for the physical life. Okay, how many times have you forgotten to eat, right? You wake up and you have every intention on having breakfast, but first coffee, right? And then while you're having coffee, 
you're scrolling on your phone or you're reading something and you lose track of time and then you got to get ready for work or whatever you got going on and you're like, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll eat later, but then you work through lunch. Okay, and then you get home and you're like, man, I haven't eaten all day, right? Happens to everybody. Haven't eaten all day. You know what you don't do? Just chalk the day up at a lo- as a loss and say, I'll eat tomorrow. You never do that. You go straight to the fridge, no matter how late it is, you pull out the leftovers or make yourself a sandwich because they're delicious and you've forgotten how delicious they are. And so you eat, you eat, you don't forget and just be like, well, I guess I'm not eating today. No, you eat. We don't do that with prayer. We may have every good intention. The day gets away from us. We get home, we realize we haven't spent any time in prayer with the Lord and you just, well, tomorrow will be a better day. But tomorrow is just like the day before so often. Prayer shouldn't be any different. We need it. It's like food or like breathing. Charles Spurgeon said that prayer is the breath of faith. The most natural thing for a Christian to do is inhale the presence of God and breathe out thanksgiving to be in this constant communion, inhaling and exhaling in prayer. Have you ever tried to do something active without breathing? I had to have a stress echo done at the cardiologist. I'm fine. This was years ago. And I remember they put me on the treadmill. They jacked my heart rate up to like 95% of its physical capacity and then put me on the table and told me to breathe out all my oxygen so that they could sonogram my heart. And I thought I was going to die. Like I can't, can't, you can't tell me to not breathe, much less like breathe everything out. Have you ever tried to swim? Like see how far you can go without breathing or run without breathing? It's not enjoyable. It's not pleasant. That burning sensation in your lungs is the reminder that you need to breathe. What if the amount of stress and anxiety and fear that we experience in life, what if that's just like the the, the pain in our lungs when we don't breathe, reminding us to pray? What if we saw that stress, that anxiety, that fear, that feeling of being overwhelmed as God trying to get our attention and say, breathe. How much less anxiety would we feel if we responded to it in prayer? How much less fear would we experience if we responded to it in prayer? Prayer is necessary. It's essential for the life of faith, like food, like oxygen, like water. We need it. We need communion with our creator. See, it's not simply that we forget to pray or that we forget what prayer is able to accomplish. It's that we forget to believe that it's true. We forget to believe all of these things that we've talked about. We forget to believe that we have intimacy with God. We forget, let me say it a different way. We don't believe Intellectually, we do, but it hasn't made its way into our hearts and stirred up our affections. We don't believe that God is available to us as a father who loves us. We don't believe that God wants to give us good gifts. We don't believe that he actually has the authority and that he wants to use his authority in our life. We don't believe if we did, we'd pray. 
Now, I know you believe intellectually. I believe intellectually. But in those moments, it's like a sub-belief to something else that's overshadowing it. And we need to remember not just that prayer is available, but that it works. That we have access to our Father in heaven because Jesus came to us from heaven. The reason prayer is this conduit, this bridge between heaven and earth is because Jesus built that bridge at the incarnation. When God became man, gave us access to the throne of heaven. And he came to us not only with the words of God, speaking to us so that we would hear, but as the word of God became flesh. And by his very presence, he showed us that access to God was being given to us. There was this veil in the temple that reminded the people that they were far off from God. They could get close, but they could not be in the presence of God. And when the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross and he died, that ta- the, the, the veil in the temple was torn into from top to bottom. See, the veil wasn't there to keep God in. It was to keep you out. And now that that veil has been torn, we are given unrestricted access to the presence of our Father in heaven because Jesus has made the way for your sin to no longer be a barrier between God's presence and yours by dying on the cross and forgiving your sins, giving you access. And then he rose from the dead, proving once and for all that God has the authority to do anything brought a man back from the dead. What can you ask for that's crazier than that? He has given you power and he pours out his spirit on us. The very power of the resurrection poured out, the presence of God poured out on you, which empowers your prayers. As weak and as feeble as our prayers feel sometimes, the presence of God, the spirit of God infiltrates our prayers and actually makes them effective. God's given you everything. He's given me everything to, 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 to encourage us to come to him in prayer. What we forget is not just to forget prayer. What we forget is not just information about prayer. We forget to remind ourselves that it's true. Otherwise, who could possibly keep us from neglecting such a privilege? Now, I want to close with this. Sometimes we don't pray simply because it's been a long time since we've prayed. And we feel like God is going to be standing at the door, arms folded. (laughs) Oh, look what the cat dragged in. Couldn't do it on your own, huh? Came to come crawling back to me. And so we don't pray simply because it's been a long time since we've prayed and we feel that's how we're going to be received. But that's because we think prayer is primarily a command to be obeyed. And when we disobey, God is irritated with us. But prayer is not primarily a command to be obeyed. It is a command to be obeyed. God tells his people to pray but primarily it's a gift to be enjoyed. It's not a father arms folded, 
making you feel the weight of your absence. He's a dad who like bought his kid a new bike and just wants to see him riding it and delights in seeing his kid use the thing that he gave him for his benefit. But you can reject that gift by rejecting the one who gave it. That gift of prayer is only available in Jesus Christ. It's only available through the forgiveness of sins that he accomplished on the cross by the power of the spirit poured out onto God's people when we believe. If you want that power, it's available to you through faith in Jesus. If you've believed in Jesus, this is who you are, a child of God with a father in heaven who loves you, wants to give you good things and has the power to actually make it happen. So as individuals and as a church, we need to cry out to our father in heaven today. So much that we need to pray about, so much that we could ask for. It's kind of hard to imagine where to begin. And so this is what I want us to do. I just want us to start right now by saying thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Our Father in heaven, thank you. That you have not left us as orphans. You've not forsaken us but you delight in your people and that you desire to commune. You desire to be with us. Father, I pray that you would take all of these things that we're talking about and that we wouldn't just log it away as information in our minds, but that we right now would experience the heart of our Father in heaven. That right here we would experience the presence of the one who has authority in heaven and on earth. The presence of the one who used that authority to lay his life down for us. Who poured his spirit out on us so that we could have unrestrained access God, I pray that we would not neglect prayer now or in the future, when we're struggling or when we're rejoicing. We pray now that you would stir up in our hearts an experience of your presence, a delight in your presence. And that anything that is restricting us from coming to you with our whole selves, Lord, would you just tear it down and throw it away? Whether it's lack of faith or fear or guilt because of sin or shame, Lord, would you tear it down and throw it away? That we might experience the presence of our Father in heaven like we haven't known in a long time or maybe even ever. Thank you for your presence. Pray all of these things together. In Jesus' name, amen.